I'm excited about the series we've been in. You know, we talked about how to take your life to the next level. And today, as we close that out, I want to talk today about advanced achievement is possible. Sometimes we don't think it's possible. So I'm going to talk about some things today that I normally don't talk about. I'm excited about this because I believe this is for leaders. This is for winners. These are people who want to go further and faster in their life. And if that's you, then you are at the right place. You guys ready to go? I'm fired up. All right, here we go. We're talking about Solomon. We talked about Solomon last week a little bit. Today, I want to talk about him a little bit further, some of the habits he had and how he did some pretty amazing things and how you can do the same thing. And so the first thing you need to know, though, if you want advanced achievement in your life is that achievement begins with vision. You have to start with a vision about what do you want in life. In fact, I want to refer back to the very first week of this whole series where I talked about goals and the purpose God has for your life. You have to bring it back down there and say, God, why was I put on this earth? What was I put on this earth to do? And get back to those things. It says in Scripture, Proverbs 29, all the Scripture we're talking about, many of the Scripture we're talking about today anyways, are verses that Solomon wrote. It says this, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. What does that mean, unrestrained? It means when you have no financial vision, you're unrestrained with your money. You just spend it on whatever you want. When you have no vision for your health, you're unrestrained in your eating habits. When you have no vision for getting married to a godly person, you're unrestrained in places you'll go and things you'll do. But if you have a vision, you restrain yourself. When you have a vision, you restrain and don't spend all your money. You save something. When you have a vision, you think about where you're going and who you're with because you want to make sure that you are ready to have a godly marriage. When you have a vision for your life, you live restrained. And that's a a good thing. And so I want to challenge you with this. What has God put on your heart? Maybe for you, it's to have a strong marriage. You say, God, I want to have a strong marriage. And you need to begin to have a vision for that and to say, God, what is it going to take for me to have an incredible marriage years into it? Or maybe you want to have a strong family. Maybe you want to be close to God. Maybe you want to advance financially. Maybe you want to climb the ladder in your company. Have a vision for what you want. People that are not where they want to be are not living by vision. But if you will begin to have a picture of your mind, in your mind, a preferred future that you have, that you set your eyes on and you work towards that, great things can happen if you'll do those kinds of things. So, you know, our, our vision as a church is a million souls. So we're very clear about that. We know who we, who we are, what we want to do. Our vision used to be to plant 100 churches. Now we plant 106 churches. Now we're increasing that number and planting churches all around the world. And so I want to encourage you today to know this. I believe God has tied your vision to our vision. I believe you're a part of this. In fact, did you know, did you know that King Solomon, when he gave money to build the temple, he was one that did that. When he gave, he gave $500 billion. Just think about that number for a second. If you can give 500 billion, what do you have? Right? I mean, that's crazy. Think about how much wealth Solomon had. But you know, he gave 500 billion to build the temple. You know, it says after he built the temple in scripture that he then built his palace, his house, and his house was bigger than the temple. So apparently when you sacrifice towards God's house, it does not cost you anything towards yours. Just want to encourage you with that. That sometimes we think it's, it's one or the other. Well, if I give a lot to God, it's going to hurt me. No, it never does. Because you're, you're not giving from a lake. You're giving from a river. And God keeps flowing it back to you and then back through you. That's how that works. So Solomon gave because he had a vision for doing big things for God. He also had a vision for doing big things in the kingdom uh, there in Israel as well. So once you have a vision, number two, apply diligence to whatever you are doing. Apply diligence. Check this scripture out. Ecclesiastes 9, Solomon also wrote this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. 
So it's like, if you're going to do it, do it. You're going to go to school, then go to class and do your homework, right? Otherwise, you're wasting either your time and money or someone else's money for sure. So either do it or don't do it, right? And so if you're going to do if you're going to go to work when you're at work, work. I know that some people are like, oh, that's brilliant. You write that down. That's good. <laughs> this should not be complicated for people. But yet we all carry a little distraction device around with us now, don't we? So when you're at work, put that thing up and work. I just want to challenge you with this to make sure you're giving your best. In fact, I, I, there's a statistic I love. Did you know this, there's a statistic that if you put a phone on the table when you're eating with your family, the, the joy of the meal goes down by 20%. That's an actual stat. So I say to my family, they've heard me say, say, hey, I want to increase our joy by 20%. I want to increase our excitement about this meal by 20%. They know that means put your phone in your pocket. That means quit looking at your phone, put it up right now, you know? And so I had to pull the phone, I had to pry it away from yourself. Nah, give me that phone, you know? And so, but if you do that, guess what? It's a blessing because then you can interact with each other. This is crazy. We can talk like it's 1995. There was no phones in. This is great. <laughs> so it's a great thing to do that. So apply diligence. And so wherever you are, be there. Proverbs 10, four says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Wow. So God puts it really clear. If you're diligent, you'll be rich. If you're not diligent, you won't be rich. Can't be any clearer. You know, Peter Drucker one time said this is a brilliant statement. He said, we could really uh, dispel a lot of the problems between the rich and the poor. A lot of the poor people are angry at the rich. If we just change the words to the productive versus the unproductive. Ouch. Kind of stings a little bit, doesn't it? Maybe you find yourself on the tail end of that and you're like, oh, you just called me unproductive. Well, let me challenge you with this. Maybe, maybe right now you're like, but I work so hard. I work hard, but yet I still, I, I don't have any resources. Let me challenge you with this. Here's one thing we do at our church a lot with our staff. So I'll give two staff members a three by five card. I've taught this so many times, you probably already know what I'm gonna say, but put a three by five card in the supervisor's hand, put a three by five card in the employee's hand. I said, now each of you don't look at each other's cards. And I told the employee, write down what you think your job is. Then I had the supervisor write down what you think their job is. Then they switch cards. It's almost never the same thing. So then the employee is like, oh my gosh, I'm working so hard on things you don't care about. So that's why I'm getting a poor grade because I'm spending all my time on things I think are important for the job, but not things that you think are important for the job. So I want to challenge you. It could be you're working really hard and you're doing a lot of things that your boss doesn't care about. So find out what they want you to do. Make sense? This works in marriage too. Whenever I would serve my wife, do all these things for her and she didn't seem to care. And finally I said, honey, what, what, what do you think it would be like if I was a good husband, what would I need to do to please you? And she was like, do this, this. And I was like, oh my gosh, everything she listed, I wasn't doing. I was like, I'm doing other stuff. I was doing things that I, that I wanted to be done, but not things she wanted me to do. So I realized that it works for your boss or at home, your, your boss. Not, she's not my boss. I mean, well, I'll keep moving. So anyways, <laughs> scripture says this too. It says, do you see a man diligent and skillful in this business? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. You see, pastor, that sounds great. But you know, I mean, I'm a sheet rocker. I'm not gonna go stay before some king. Are you sure about that? Are you really good at sheetrock? Are you fast and good? That's a unique combination. Because if you are, you won't just be sheetrocking in homes. You'll be sheetrocking in homes of kings, in executives' homes, in CEOs' homes. If you're good at something, no matter how far down you think it is on the totem pole of work, if you're excellent at it, it will raise you to new heights. Just want to challenge you with this. Please don't think for a second that your skill, if not diligent, will make a difference. It will, I promise you. Diligence makes the difference. Apply diligence in whatever to whatever you are doing. You know, before I moved here to plant this church, um, I was 25 years old and moved here. 
before them, when I was about 23, I started reading books on church growth and church planting. I read 70 books on how to plant and grow a church before I got here. I went to the seminary where I was going and I, I typed in church growth and church planting. It was the same section. I thought I would walk in and be like a whole, you know, like gigantic section. The section I could put my hand on one side and the other, which is kind of sad. I wonder why most churches don't grow. We don't teach this. I had a one three-hour class. I had 98 hours with my master's. 98-hour master's, not not a small master's. Only one three-hour class even talked about church growth at all. So I made the point. I was like, I want our church to grow, to reach a lot of people. So I put my hand on one side of those books and on the other, and I pulled them all out of the shelf, set them on the table, and I cataloged the name and the author of every one of those books, and I systematically read through every one of them over the next two years. What was I saying? I applied diligence to my learning so I knew what to do before I got here. Let me ask you, when's the last time you read a book on what you do to improve what you do? Could it be that you're busy on things that all the experts will tell you don't really matter when you should be doing the things that do matter the most? So I want to challenge you on this to to be diligent, to learn what you do. In fact, I want to encourage you. Now, it was books back then. Today, it's podcasts, right? YouTube videos, that kind of stuff. I want to challenge you to be listening to stuff all the time. In fact, one of the things I like to do is called habit stacking. So I like to walk and pray sometimes. Sometimes I walk also and listen to audio books or podcasts. It's a great thing to do. So if you already want to get in good shape whenever you do your cardio, listen to something. It's a great habit stack to where you can grow in knowledge and you're growing in strength at the same time. So I want to encourage you to do that. It's a game changer. I love this quote by a guy named Fred Smith. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you haven't, but maybe you've heard of his company. It's a small business he started called FedEx. He said, I don't think God is too interested in our success. He's interested in our maturity. Can we be honest and admit that there's a direct correlation between our maturity and our success? Let's be honest. The more immature someone is in the company, the, the less income they have, the less opportunity they have, the less promotion they get. But if you'll mature in what you do, how you treat people, how you listen, how you respect others, the customer, the boss, whoever it is, guess what? The more you mature, the more God grows everything you have. So I just want to challenge you to see the direct connection. Advanced achievement begins with vision. Number two, apply diligence to whatever it is that you do. It's a game changer. By the way, I want to talk to the single ladies for a second. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. I want to talk to you for a second. Listen, if you're looking for a guy to date, let me, let me just help you out here. Men are like mutual funds. They say about mutual funds, past performance is a direct indicator of future performance. So if you're dating a guy who hasn't done a lot, don't expect that gear to kick in. I just need to warn you right now that the guys I knew in my 20s that weren't doing much today, kind of still there. I'm just being honest with you. Have you ever gone back to your high school reunion and you met somebody that was really cool at 17? You meet him again, you're like, you're kind of still 17. <laughs> just fatter now, less hair. I mean, just, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. So my point is, is that if you attach yourself to someone with no motivation and ambition, don't be shocked when you're struggling in marriage one day with kids and finances. I'm just, I'm just being honest. That, that may sound really harsh. And maybe this is kind of calling you out, guys. Then let it call you out. Own it. Let it slap you in the face and change you. And say, I do have a higher gear and I'm going to prove it right now. I'm going to kick it into high gear and get something done in my life. You have more in you. So get going. Vision and diligence go a long way. Now let's go deeper. You guys ready to go deeper? Oh, come on. You got, are you with me or not? Let's go. All right, so 
I told you this message is about advanced achievement. So the next couple points may not be for you, but I believe maybe it is. I believe there's some leaders in the room. I believe there's some future millionaires in the room. I believe there's some future CEOs and executives in the room. I believe there's some future you know, professors in the room. I believe that you're gonna climb rank in the military. God has more for you. And you came to the right church to hear how to do it. You ready? Here's how you do it right now. I wanna tell you right now. Apply, number three, apply the law of large numbers to see rapid growth. What does that mean? Add a zero to your goal. Add a zero to your goal. You're like, I want to to have a lot of income one day. I'm going to save $500 a year. No, $5,000. And one day, $50,000 a year is what you need to save. You go, I need to make $50,000. I guess you're going to have to increase your income then. See, when you begin to put lofty, crazy goals and add zeros to it, it changes how you think, doesn't it? So you have to think differently. Let me show you something about King Solomon, maybe that you didn't know. How many of you guys know about his 31 Proverbs, right? We have that in the book of the Bible. We know he wrote Ecclesiastes as well. But let me tell you about those 30 Proverbs, 31 Proverbs. It says he composed, this is in 1 Kings 4, tells us about Solomon. He composed some 3,000 Proverbs. Did you know that? Maybe we just have the best of. He wrote 3,000 Proverbs and he wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from the cracks in the wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. This tells me Solomon was a reader. Leaders are readers. And I know this is an an untouched skill today because our phones have taken our attention span. But if you'll pull that phone out of your face and read something, you'll find there's incredible knowledge. And I know podcasts can be good, but I just found that if someone took the time, because it takes one to two years to write a book, to publish something, they're giving you the best of what they have. So you may be getting a lot of information, but can I say you may be getting cheap information? Information that's not really of great value. So get their best stuff. Be willing to pay for it. Get some good stuff. So I want to challenge you that podcasts are good. I'm not saying they're bad, but oftentimes in the podcast, what are they doing? They're selling what? A book. Right? They're selling their best stuff. So I want to encourage you to pay for that. So apply the law of large numbers. Let me show you another example of the law of large numbers, by the way. Uh, how many of you guys would, would say, I want to be a godly man or godly woman? I would, I would say that, right? So we think godly man, godly woman. What do you think? You think someone who's kind, loving, forgiving, right? You think someone who's meek, someone who cares for others, someone who's generous. Those are all qualities of, uh, of a godly person. What does the word godly mean? Godly means godlike. Can I ask you this? Why have we forgotten that one of the biggest pieces that makes us godlike is when we learn to create? God is a creator God. God created the world the way he wanted it so you can emulate that and create your world the way you want it. Now, how many of you want to be godly now? Does that make sense? Create the world that you want. I couldn't find the church I wanted, so I created it. I want to challenge you. Create the world you want. Have a vision for it and go for it. Did you know Solomon also had gold mines, agricultural businesses, trading enterprises, a horse business, a land and construction business? Those are just a few of the things Solomon had. He he had whole cities just to store his wealth. He's like, yeah, not enough room in the city here. Let's build another city so I can store my wealth. Like, what? Can you imagine that? It's crazy. And so Solomon lived a blessed life because he was busy creating and we should be doing the same thing. Let me tell you about another creator. You ever heard of a guy named Pablo Picasso? How many of you guys know he has 10 or 20 really famous paintings worth millions of dollars, right? But do you know how many he created? Do you, do you know how many art, works of art he did? Pablo Picasso created 200,000 pieces of art in 75 years. 
Now that is a creative individual. And that's also a diligent creative individual. Would you agree? And so I want to challenge you to do more than you think you can do. I promise you, you have more in you. By the way, next week, we're doing a really fun message. If, if you've never been here on the Super Bowl weekend, you're missing it. It's awesome. We do this thing called 30 Second Theology. You know, what's the most popular part of the Super Bowl other than the game? The commercials, right? We love them. They're hilarious, right? And so we always take the best commercials over the year, over the last year, and we make a 30-second theology where I teach through the commercials. Some of them are compelling. Some of them are funny. Don't miss next week, 30-second theology. Check out this commercial. This is just one example. Just be here next week. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Don't miss 30 Second Theology starting next week. You're going to love it. I promise you. It's one of the most fun series, one of the most fun fun weekends we do. So you're going to want to be here for that. Okay, you guys ready to go to the advanced stuff? Oh, come on. You got, is anyone listening? Is it? All right, here it is. Here it is. Check this out. Have you ever walked through a neighborhood and you're like me and you're like, what do these people do for a living? These huge houses, big old fat SUV in the front, you know, like one of those like $80,000, $100,000 ones, you know, and they have like two cars like that and they have this massive house. And I'm like, what jobs are out there that I clearly don't know about? They want to, has this happened to you? I'm like, I want to kill my high school guidance counselor. They did not tell me about this. <laughs> so you're walking through, you're like, I don't know what they did, right? And I finally started to talk to people like that to say, what do you do? And they all said the same things. Would you like to know what that is? Here it is. Check this out. Let me show you a great example, but let me give you the, let me give you the point first. To achieve great wealth, you must create multiple streams of income. They don't just have one job. They have multiple streams of income that provide that kind of living. And so let me show you scripture. This is in Proverbs 31. This is a Proverbs 31 woman. Check it out. She is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She goes to inspect the field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. This woman's got it going on. She's got businesses. She's buying fields, planting a vineyard, taking the profits from that and putting it into something else. And so clearly she has multiple streams of income. Let me show you where you can also find this scripture in Genesis chapter two. How many of you guys know the Garden of Eden was really plush? It was beautiful. Why was it so plush? Check it out. Genesis chapter two. 
A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Ashur. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So how do you have a plush life? Just like the Garden of Eden. Take your one stream, turn it into four. Did you catch that? I'm giving you some advanced stuff right now if you're not taking notes. If you'll take your one stream, turn it into four, God really can bless you. Now, let me give you a little hint on this too, especially with real estate. This is important. Let someone else manage it, otherwise your focus will be divided. Okay? It said here in the scripture, if you didn't catch it, God gave it to Adam to run it. Let me create the garden. Adam, you run it. I'll come by and check on it. So one of the things I want to encourage you to do, do not side, start a side hustle that just takes all of your time because it will bleed over into your work life or make you tired from your normal job. I've known guys that made 50 grand a year. They're making an additional five grand a year on the side, their side hustle. Then they lose their 50 grand a year job because it interrupts their, their, their regular job with the five grand a year they're making. Why would you do that? So make sure, this is why I like real estate instead because I'm not working in it. I buy it, then it works for me. Did you catch that? That's what I like about that. This isn't like me doing something outside where I, it takes my time. And so, so you want to limit that because that will limit your career if you're not careful. And your career has a lot more potential to earn high dollars. And this is what I like about real estate is that you can buy something, put it in management, forget about it. I have a friend of mine who had over, I think, 150 to 200 homes by the time he was 30. Think about that for a second. It's crazy. This guy's incredibly successful. And one time I was talking about real estate. I have a couple homes and I was talking about it. And he said, do you managers? I said, yeah, I manage them myself. He goes, rookie mistake. I was like, what? He goes, hey, I never use that time to manage it. He said, the same amount of time you're managing two homes, you could actually be using that same time to buy another home. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. But, but pastor's going to cost me 10%. I know. But that 10% that your saving is going to cost you a lot more in the third home and the fourth home and the fifth home you could have bought that same amount of time. Well, I don't have the money. Well, now you have time to figure that out. How to find investors, how to create opportunities, how to find assets you didn't think you had. So you got to get creative with it. Just want to challenge you with this. Let me give you another verse, by the way. Just want to mention this too, because some people right now are already mad at me that I'm talking about this. <laughs> and I want to show you why. Mark chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus said this, everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property along with what? Persecution. You see, the haves always get criticized by the have-nots. But rather than you criticizing what I'm saying, why don't you open your heart and mind to it and join us? And so, does that make sense? Amen. My daughter right now is at Texas A&M University. I'm not paying for that. I got two houses paying for that. And then when she's done with A&M, I'll still have the two houses. And they'll still continue to give us cash flow and they're going up in value. Does that make sense? So many of you right now, you're like, I'm crippled financially because I had to pay for all my kids' colleges and weddings. And so I don't have anything left for retirement. That's again, if you'll have assets that pay for those things, it doesn't hurt you. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you. And by the way, it's never too late to start. I was talking to a 70-year-old man outside and he said, I mean, I don't know if I can do this. I'm starting at 70. I said, buy a house, put it on a 15-year note. When you're 85, you'll be thanking me because it'll be paid off. And that's about the time you probably run out of cash. 
and have to depend on your kids, and now you don't have to because you'll have a house paid off. And if you buy that house now, it'll be double the value by then. It'd be a significant amount of money. Does that make sense? And if he's really smart, he'll buy one this year, and one next year, one the year after that, one the year after that. And then by the, by, by the time he gets to 85, he won't even have to worry about it because he'll have enough cash only to think about it. Then, he'll, then this problem will be, which kid do I like to give the houses to, right? And so the point I'm trying to say is cash flow is a game changer for you. It really can help you. And again, some of you are like, now, Pastor, I'm not really into that. I don't really care much about that. That's okay, but I'm, this is for the advanced. These are people who want to do greater things for God. And if this is you, if I'm speaking to you, let me know. Is someone getting something out of this right now, I hope? My father comes out of poverty. My father lived in a car until he was in fourth grade. And he went to 11 different elementary schools by the time he's in fourth grade. That's kind of hard on your education. Because his parents had to pick cotton. They were migrant farm workers. He had to go wherever there was work because it was during the Great Depression. My father's 86 now. And so he started off like that. Then he realized if he was going to be able to earn any money, he needed an education. So he signed up for the military and served, served uh, a great amount of time in the military and used the, that service to get the GI Bill to put himself through college. Then he went into mid-management. That love, he worked for NASA, some cool stuff like that, but he went into mid-management. I want to tell you this about my father. Then he began, and he, he bought one house, and he kept it as a rental. And he taught me how to do it, and I'm so thankful. But the reason I want to mention my dad is because I want to tell you something. You are not stuck in the economic strata you were born in. You can increase, but you have to let go of the habits you learned from your parents and your grandparents if those habits will hurt you. Does that make sense? I'll never forget today that we bought a rental and bought another rental and bought a duplex, sold a duplex because it was a disaster. I learned a lot about buying the wrong space in the wrong area. Oh, boy, learned a hard, hard way about that. But then we, we, we used some of the equity from the houses to buy a, a small apartment complex. I'll never forget my father came to me. It was one of the most touching moments of my life. He said, I'm really proud of you. So I said, why is that? He said, because you've done something I didn't do. You passed up your dad. I was like, dad, I only know how to do this because of you. He's like, well, I'm really proud of you. And I hope my kids pass me up. I really do. Think about this, guys. I'm not teaching you this just for you. I'm teaching this to set you free, your kids free, your grandkids free, your great grandkids free. So my kids, we've just grown up. My kids are growing up talking like this all the time. Mason and Cole are always talking about, oh, I wonder, what, how, I wonder how much that, that asset throws off. That means how much is it cash flow? How much is it net? They talk like that. When Mason was 18 years old, he'd save money all through high school. And he said, Dad, I want to flip a house. We flipped a house together. You know, he didn't make quite as much as Dad did because he didn't have the percentage in it. <laughs> but he made some pretty quick cash. And so what a blessing that was. And so he just thinks that's normal to do this. My kids think it's normal to have real estate. Wouldn't it be great if your kids thought that was normal? So you really can change their life by the way you respond to this message. But you need to know when God blesses you, when you give up a house to get houses, it comes to persecution. Remember that verse I just read? He'll give you houses. He gives you mothers, fathers. Notice it doesn't say in Scripture that he gives you mother-in-laws. God's not a cruel God. He would not give you more than one mother. <laughs> just kidding. It was just a joke. So anyways, next one. Maybe you say, Pastor, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I'm not sure if I want to own my own business. By the way, this doesn't mean you have to quit your job to start your own business. Sure, you can make wealth that way, but I don't want to quit my job. I love what I do. This is, this is my calling. So I'm not going to quit what I do. 
but I'm, I can do this on the side and it doesn't take much time. It takes me about maybe two hours a month. Do I have to think about it? Max? Honestly, I just don't think about it. You get a good manager, they just, they got it. You just, you just have to manage the manager. That's it. I just check in. Well, let me teach you something else here. This is from Proverbs. Proverbs 27, 18. Workers who protect their employer's interests will be rewarded. So here's how you can make a lot of money without having started a business. If you will think like the owner thinks and protect the owner's interests, they will pay you a larger share of what the business is making. I remember I had a friend in, in, when I was in youth group in, in high school, and this girl had a father who made a lot of money, and I thought, surely he owns a business. And I found out later he doesn't. He runs the business for the guy who owns it. And so he was the Joseph in the relationship. Pharaoh didn't have to worry about anything in the kingdom because Joseph ran it all for him. Remember that in the Bible? You know, Joseph was always an employee, yet he did very well financially because he multiplied the interests of his employer. Therefore, he got the lion's share of a lot of the profits from it. And so he was blessed because of that. So number five, even if you don't own the business, think like an owner and you will be blessed too. And then the last thing, is this helping someone today, I hope? Okay, the last thing is this. Integrity and wisdom protects your gains. One of the best things I've learned from wealthy people is that they don't lose money. They just don't. They only do things they know that won't lose money. I had a friend one time, he said, when I run the numbers, I half all the numbers. I'm like, okay, here's what I think the profit's gonna be. Let me half every number, and am I still profitable? Then I do it. What's he saying? He's like, I'm not gonna lose money. I just refuse. If everything falls apart, I won't lose money. It's just smart. It's much smarter. And so what does this mean? Proverbs 10, says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Proverbs 2, verse 7 says, he grants, God grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He's a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. And so I just want to encourage you that honesty and integrity really does win the day. If you're dishonest, If you lack integrity, it will not only cost you relationships and reputation, it will even cost you money. People will not want to work with you if you are a liar. I'm just telling you right now. And and by the way, uh, men and women who lack integrity typically end up divorced. You know what that does to your finances? Ouch, right? So integrity protects you, protects your marriage. And and I know some of you are like, I couldn't control it, Pastor. I get that. But if you have integrity, even after divorce, you'll win in the end. Because honesty and truth and integrity always wins. It really does. I I recently invested with someone and they said, why are you doing this investment? Is it because you like the numbers? I was like, well, the numbers look good. I said, but I'm actually not investing in this. I'm investing in you. I trust you. So if you're investing, so the first thing I ask is, are you putting your money in it? And, and I know these people, they have a lot of integrity and they have a lot of success. And like, so if you're putting your money into it, then I'll put my money into it. Make sense? So I want to encourage you, let integrity guide you, let honesty lead you. It really can be a blessing. And please do away with this thought that says, oh, if you're rich, you're stealing or cheating or you're a thief. That's just, that's an excuse that we use to cope with our brokenness. Set that aside and realize that there are people with integrity and honesty that are successful. Are there liars and cheats? Sure. There's also liars and cheats that are broke. You can find both. So just be a person of integrity, and then you have no sorrow with it like the Scripture tells you. Last thing I want to say is this. You can do this. You can do it. You really can. If a preacher can do this, then what can you do? You can do more than you think. I promise you, you have more in you. But I want to tell you this, God's grace is unconditional. But God's favor 
has conditions. So if you want to be blessed financially, you've got to follow the financial scriptures. If you want to be blessed in your marriage, you've got to follow the advice of the Bible on marriage. If you want to be blessed in your parenting, you've got to parent like the Bible says to you. If you want to be blessed in your career, you've got to follow the scripture on working hard. If you ignore the word of God, you won't have his favor. You have his grace, but you don't have his favor. So I want to challenge you. This is why you can follow God your whole life and still be broke. Well, yeah, God forgives you of your sins and you're in and you have a relationship with Jesus. But if you don't follow what Jesus taught on wealth and what he taught on favor, what he taught on prosperity, what he taught about honesty and working hard, if you ignore all those scriptures on debt, if you ignore all that, then don't be surprised if you're not where you want to be. Don't ignore it. Begin to apply it. I believe God brought you here because this is not a normal church. Normal churches don't make it a goal to reach a million souls. But I don't believe God brought me normal people. I said, God, bring me wealthy, thriving CEOs, executive business owners, investors. You're like, Pastor, it's not me. Oh, yeah, it is. It's in seed form, and I'm watering it right now. That is you. So it's time for you to receive this and act on it in faith now. Not next year, now. Now is the time to do what God's telling you to do. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and we take a moment to pray. Is God stirring in you right now? If God's stirring in you, lift your hand. Hi, God, thank you that you're challenging me. I have more in me. I can do more. I can own more. Therefore, I could give more. I can make more of a difference. Thank you, God. I've got this in me. Solomon could be a blessing to God's house because Solomon knew what he was doing. He was a learner, a student. He learned from the best and he applied it. You can do the same thing. Apply God's truth and watch God do great things through you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Right now across all of our campuses, have you given your life to Jesus? It all begins with a relationship with him. Talk about adding a zero. He gave his life. He gave his one life so you can win millions upon millions upon millions. He gave his life on the cross for your sins and for mine. If we'll simply accept him into our lives, we can go to heaven one day and walk with him while we're still on this earth. You can pray this simple prayer and receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior right now. Pray this prayer with me. Just say this out loud across all of our campuses, those online. Pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around, would you just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ? Thank you. There are hands going up all across our churches right now. Hold your hand high. Thank you. We can see you over there. Rodfield, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Hold that hand high. Thank you, Padre Island. Praise God. All the way there at Stone Oak, all the way in the back, we see your hand. Thank you. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Those online, let us know right now in the text chat. Just text, my hands raised, or click hand raised right now. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. You're not alone in that decision. Many people around you also just gave their life to Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is so powerful and yet so practical. God, help us to apply your truth. We thank you that your grace is unconditional, but Lord, we want to live not only in your grace, but in your favor. So Lord, we want to act on what you just showed us through your word, God. Just like Solomon, Lord, help us to be diligent. Help us to to step up. Help us to begin to own, to begin to grow what you're giving us so we can be good stewards of our lives and our time. Thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.